0: are in week number three of this series on the Holy Spirit. And my question to you, has this been helpful for you as much as it's been helpful for me? Like have y'all figured some things out, you're learning some things, processing some things, maybe learning some things that you haven't known. um, I'm hoping that you've been able to apply some of this to your own life so you're not just Coming in, getting a bunch of knowledge and loving it, and walking out, and nothing happening in that. We we shoot for transformation, so we want this stuff to be um, powerful enough to where it's impacting your life to start making application to it, and um, so we wanna we wanna help you with that. I know last week for me, uh, preaching through this gave me some new angles to really think on the Holy Spirit, but even to a more personal level of asking myself, like, what is the Holy Spirit? What does this mean for me? Like, what's happening in me? How do I take what I just preached and how do I apply that to my life? How am I uh, processing that in every day? And so I'm trying to recall for me, because we said last week, the Holy Spirit, he does three things. He comforts you, he counsels you, and he, anybody know the third C? He convicts you. That's the one we always he convicts you, because we don't really like that one, do we? But he said that all of those things were for our benefit that he would counsel, comfort, and convict. Those were the three big things. And so I have began processing those three functions just personally and asked myself, you know, am I, am I truly allowing the Holy Spirit to comfort me? to provide comfort when I, when my fears start to get elevated, when my anxiety starts to elevate, when I start to worry about things, when I'm hurting about things, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to really provide his comfort in those things? I'm asking the same thing with counsel. So um, if there's a if there's an issue or there's something I'm really trying to process, I have to make a decision on how much am I really relying on the Holy Spirit to counsel me and walk me through that process uh, so that I can make sure that I do it the way that God wants me to do it. And even with conviction, this has probably been the hardest one of just just saying, okay, I, I'm going to say it, but Holy Spirit, I just just convict me. If, I've, if it was wrong, just convict me on it. But just finding, am I ignoring those convictions? Or am I truly following through with the convictions that the Spirit? So that's kind of where my mind has been over these last couple of weeks as, as far as me processing the Holy Spirit. And I, I say that because I'm hoping that the same thing is happening with you, that you're asking like, what, what am I really supposed to get out of these? What, what am I, um, What is the Holy Spirit trying to speak to me? What is God trying to show me through all of this that we're learning. And so for me, these things expose some places where I realize that I haven't fully allowed the Holy Spirit to function the way that he needs to function in my life. And again, I'm hoping that's the same thing for you, that you're finding that he, maybe there's areas that he's not fully functioning in your life, but we want him to. And so uh, if you haven't had that yet where you say, well, I really haven't felt the Holy Spirit really moving yet, um, it's okay. It's okay. Don't feel guilty because it hasn't happened yet. What I want to encourage you to do today is just simply just ask the Holy Spirit to expose some things to you. Like just ask, because if we ask, we'll receive, right? Like he tells us, if we just ask him, he'll expose the things and God will give us the desires of our hearts and our desires line up with his desires. And so I just want to pray for you just for a moment. And as we're praying, I want to invite the Holy Spirit into the conversation. I want want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come into the conversations that you're having, to come into the things that you're trying to process and ask him for some clarity. Maybe ask him to comfort you. Maybe you need to ask him to counsel you and maybe you need to ask him to convict you in some areas. But I I think that's a good way for us to start off this morning. That way we're learning... What he wants us to do, and now there's some application. I think a lot of times we come to church just to learn some things and then to leave because we've learned some things. But that's not discipleship. Discipleship is not just knowing a couple of cool theological terms or what this means in the Greek or I know this much scripture. Um, I can know a lot of scripture, but if I don't know how to apply it, I'm not coming any closer to what Jesus has asked me to do because he didn't ask me to memorize a lot of scripture. He asked me to live out a lot of scripture, right? So let me pray for you this morning. And, and as we're doing this, just ask the Holy Spirit right there where you sit, God, just speak to me today. Just show me today. So let's just take a minute and ask the Holy Spirit to make himself known in this room and for him to directly speak. God, I just pray that as we, as we've already recognized your spirit is here and Lord, we want to be just able just to hear clearly, just to have clarity on what he's saying. So what I'm asking in this moment is that you would speak in our lives, you would show us something new, a new attribute, so us something new about your character, something that's going to take it outside of this place that's going to transform our lives. God, as we share the story of what you've done with other people, it's just going to help that that much more because we truly understand what it is that you're trying to show us. So God, just expose those things, bring them into the light today, and we pray these things in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This week, I want us to take a look at what we call the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the goal today is that we're going to gain a lot of practical knowledge, but like I said, I want us to learn how to put this in to some practical application so that we can actually live these things out. So remember, the Bible says faith without works is, is dead. It's not alive, it's not doing anything, so we've, we've got to have this faith, but we've got to put it to work. We've got to do some things for life to begin happening. So, We're gonna we're gonna put these things into practice. So, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, another term for this, we often call these things spiritual gifts, and we would define a spiritual gift this way: a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given to all Christians. Got it? Given to all Christians, and we're gonna see that here in just a minute to do God's work on earth. It's a spiritual gift. So we know. From just definition, this is our working definition that we're going to use over the next couple of minutes, is that a spiritual gift is just a supernatural ability that's given to all Christians to do the work of God here on earth. Now, it's important for us to note that these spiritual gifts are not given to us for self-improvement. That's super important because we live in a culture that is all about self-improvement, self-help. Do this and these, do these 10 things and this good thing is going to happen. These spiritual gifts are not for self-improvement. They are for transformation. They are given to us to push the kingdom forward, for us to live out the things that God has gifted us with. So a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that God can do his work in us and through us. We are just the carriers of what he wants us to do. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1, and then we're going to look at verses 4 through 6 as this foundational understanding that we're trying to build here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this. Now, concerning spiritual gift brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul's writing this letter to a church in Corinth. He's writing it on his third missionary journey while he's sitting in a city called Ephesus. Later, you would find that Paul writes a letter to the church in Ephesus called Ephesians. And the overall issue that this church was facing was they were trying to operate in their own strength. If I do this, we don't really need to depend on the Spirit. We can just do church the way we want to do it. We can do life the way we want to do it. We, they, they were compartmentalizing that whatever we do, just kind of self-improvement, it's just kind of about us. It's just kind of on our own strength. And this was the issue that they were kind of operating from. And it, it began uh, to reveal as you read through this book, of the, the Corinthians, um, they began To see this thing that there was not any kind of clarity in their doctrinal beliefs. Like they did not really know what it was they believed. So Paul steps in and he writes to them to do two things. He wanted to encourage them as a church. But he also wanted to inform them that, hey, there's something here that you're missing. It's not about relying on your own strength. But there's this thing called the Holy Spirit that has come in. And he has gifted you and wired you in specific ways to do specific things. So that you could do the work of God here on earth. And so he's trying to expose these things to them. So he just wants to encourage and inform, not to make them feel bad, but just inform them of the Holy Spirit. There was a study that I found that said 87% of Christians do not know anything about their spiritual gifts. So if we were to ask and just start asking church members, like, what is your spiritual gift? A lot of people couldn't say it because they just, they just don't know. Because it meant, again, remember, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, A lot of people have kind of shied away from what it is because there's some fear, maybe some things that scare them, maybe some things they don't understand, so they don't really talk about it. But 87% don't know anything about their spiritual giftings, of what God has gifted them to be able to do. And I think Paul would have the same words for us today, the same 80% that we don't know what our giftings are. He would have the same thing because he would say, first off, I don't want you to be ignorant in this. I I want you to understand because... to to live a life without understanding the gifts is not really fully living to the purpose that God's called you to. You're not really being, using the things that God's equipped you to do. And so again, these aren't for self-improvement and to make us look better. The goal is that God gifts us for these things for us to do the work of God here on earth. And so Paul says in verse four, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. So lots of gifts, one spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers all in everyone. So God gives them all of these things. In verse 7, in the New Living Translation, it actually says this, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. Each other. Now notice a couple of things. All Christians, all Christians receive spiritual gifts. So you may have the gift and don't even, you, you didn't know it, but today you just found out that you have a spiritual gift, that God's given you something to do. So congratulations, you're a winner today. All right, so you probably didn't know that, but now you do. And we're going we're gonna to look and find out in just a minute maybe what your spiritual gift is. But he says everybody receives these, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given spiritual gifts to do the work of God. And no one has been left out. Nobody's been left out of this, so Don't worry about thinking that, well, I don't have any. God didn't give me any spiritual gifts. Yes, he did. You just haven't found it. You just haven't been exposed to it. Because see, here's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you not to find what that spiritual gift is that God's given you. Because the moment you find it and it comes to light and you start using that for its purpose of not self-improvement, but to do the work of God here on earth, well, it really shuts down the enemy's game plan. Because remember, when we start putting the Holy Spirit to practice, Jesus said the Holy Spirit for him to come was to our advantage. The devil doesn't want us to have an advantage. Because if we have the advantage, he loses. But see, the thing that he didn't realize is that he loses anyway. It doesn't really matter. But it just makes victory that sweeter when we can come in and use the tactic that God has given us the Holy Spirit to advance his kingdom. So the devil wants to hide that from us. Because he doesn't want the body of Christ to, to operate and be mobilized in the way that it's supposed to be mobilized to change cities, to transform cities through, through the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is I want, you, uh, I want to expose to you a couple of lists of gifts that are listed in Scripture. And you probably will find one and go, oh, that sounds a lot like me, or this one doesn't, but that one does. And, and it wants to process, so it's going to be a little learning, a little fun this morning. You, you guys okay with that, right? Okay, good, 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 good. I'm glad, because if not, it's going to be a long day. Um, But I want us to look at what Scripture says. And to better understand this, these are five uh, things, five spiritual gifts. These are things that they are not. Okay, you got me? So here are five things here not, because people get these confused. Uh, pastor Craig Rochelle at Life Church in Oklahoma uh, had this list and I thought this was super helpful for me, so I want to pass it on to you. Uh, I believe that if there's a pastor who has a bullet that fits your gun, you should use it. So, number one, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not natural talents. Okay, well, here's what we mean. Natural talents are different from spiritual gifts. In the fact that when you are born... Naturally, God gives you natural talents. Some of you are naturally gifted to sing. Some of you are naturally gifted to play a sport. Some of you are naturally gifted to not have, have had to study as hard as the rest of us where my C students at could you people that didn't have to study hard just stay home so the curve would be a lot better than what we got, right? So some of you just have this natural gift, and I didn't even have to study. Well, who cares? Like my daughter the other day, when they got her report card, she told me, she said, you know, I never, I never made a B in my life. Said, it's a big deal, me either. Like I never made a B either, so who cares? <laughs> me either. Natural gift. So, Maybe some of you are naturally good with teaching. Maybe you're naturally good at building things. You're just natural talents. You just have these natural things that just come to you. They're easy. And these are different. The spiritual gifts are different than the natural talents, right? Like you not only can receive spiritual gifts when you're spiritually born, but God can continue to give you more spiritual gifts throughout your Christian walk. So your spiritual gifts can complement the natural giftings that you already have. So, God can use all these things, but there is a major difference between your natural talent and your spiritual gift. Here's the second thing they are not given to the elite few, because I think that's another, well, I don't have that gift, so I must not be worthy to be able to do this. Well, I can't ever do that. And so we begin diminishing the giftings that God has given us because we see them as being insignificant in the kingdom. But can I tell you that there is no gift? that God gives that is insignificant. It doesn't, you may think that it is, but if God's given it, it, you can rest assured it has a purpose, that he he wants to do something with that. And if it's tied to God, it is significant, no matter how insignificant we may think it is. So God doesn't say, okay, I'm going to take this together group over here, and this is going to be my elite group. I'm going to just bless them. I'm going to give them all this spiritual knowledge. I'm going to, they're going to be the elite Now, the rest of y'all, y'all just go meet. Don't even worry about it because y'all can't hang with the Navy SEAL team over here because these are the elite spiritual few. And that is not what God does. So he doesn't tell you to go sit in the corner because he's only gonna use certain people. Every person plays a major role in the kingdom. And so there's not spiritual gifts given to elite few. These spiritual gifts are given to who? Everybody. So everybody has them. Here's the third thing. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. No, they do this. They must really be close to God. If you have a certain gift, it doesn't mean that you're more mature than someone who has a different gift. But unfortunately, in a lot of our Christian cultures today, some people can elevate certain gifts to say, well, if you don't have this gift, you're not spiritually mature. Then you must not love God as much as I love God because you don't do this. Anybody ever had that conversation? Maybe you are on the receiving end of that they kind of look at you like maybe you're a lesser Christian than they are because you don't have this gift or you don't pray this way or you don't use these words or you don't know how to read Greek. You're like, no, um, Google. Thank you. Um, but oddly enough, like if you look back on culture, let's just talk about the gift of speaking in tongues for a second. And every Baptist just like tensed up for a second, but chill out. Hold on. Let's talk about the gift of tongues for just a second, because in many church cultures and among many Christians, this is the most elevated spiritual gift of everything. Oh, you don't speak in tongues? Can I tell you something? Hold on. Don't, don't run. I've never spoken in tongues. I, I'm okay with that right now. Like, I'm okay with that. I've asked God to give me that gift. He's not giving me that gift for whatever reason. The closest I ever came to that gift was in a Spanish class and. It was an oral exam. I didn't know it. I said, God, if you give me the ability to pass this class, I will serve you forever. And I know I'm already a Christian study major, but I promised to commit to that for the rest of my life. And I have no idea what the words that came out of my mouth were. But the professor just shook his head at me and I thought, God, let me down. Like he got me. He said, Robbie, you got a D. I was like, I got a D? He said, you got a D. I said, that stands for degree. I'm I'm out. Like I'm graduating. And I graduated college. When it comes to like the gift of tongues, this is the one that for some reason is the most elevated among all of these that everybody wants to argue. Well, you don't have this gift, you must not be spiritual. That must not be spiritual. Well, you got it, you must be a high priest or something. Like you, you have, okay, I got you. But the problem with this is when people begin arguing and taking these gifts and elevating like the gift of tongues, and they're important, by the way. The Bible's very clear, those are important and some people have that gift and it's an incredible gift and a beautiful thing for the local church. And for the church as a whole. But people in some church cultures who don't speak in tongues, they feel like second-class Christians, when in reality, the gift of speaking in tongues is actually called the least of the gifts. It's actually called the least, but that's the thing that people want to die on that hill. Well, your church don't have it. All of y'all are going to hell. Okay? But we elevate things. Yeah, interestingly enough, this one is probably the most divisive in so many churches, among so many people. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. That's, that's the bottom line of that. Because everybody has the gift. It's a matter if you're, you're using it. Here's the other one. Uh, spiritual gifts are not fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are different from uh, the gifts of the Spirit. If you want to study the fruits of the Spirit, then you just go to Galatians. Paul wrote about it in Galatians chapter 5. He tells us that there are nine fruits of the Spirit. There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and Self-control. How many of you guys sing that song as we were reading that? You remember that from your Bible school days and from your Sunday school classes. That's how I remember it still. Um, but those are the fruits of the spirits. But sometimes Christians will say, "Well, I just don't have the gift of love. Well, I don't have the gift of patience." When you're on I-26 in traffic, bumper to bumper, and you're like, I, "I just don't have the gift of patience right now." Patience is not a gift; it is a fruit of the spirit. Right, so these are not gifts, those are fruits. And as I follow Jesus, what should be happening is you should be showing all those fruits of the Spirit in your life. But all believers do not have all the gifts of the Spirit, but you should have the fruits of the Spirit and be showing those. So these are two different things, all right? Here's the last one. Spiritual gifts are not something for you to fear. They're not to be feared. Because sometimes when we get into talking about giftings and what God has, it's it's a little scary because you, you begin contemplating in your mind that this is not me. I can't ever do anything like that. But spiritual gifts aren't something that should be odd or creepy. They're not odd or creepy. Remember, a few weeks, weeks ago, we said that a lot of us view things, even like spiritual gifts, as being weird or creepy because of things that maybe we've heard growing up in church or things that we've seen looking at YouTube, right? Like, yeah, it's a little creepy when somebody can put their hand on you and the whole crowd just fall out at one time. That's a little weird. I mean, it's It's strange. It's okay. If it's strange, it's a little creepy. I'm not saying that God can't do that. Maybe God does do that. Maybe God wants somebody to touch somebody and us all just pass out. Maybe that's what happens. If that's what he wants, then so be it. Lay me down. But I'm not trying to be insulting about these things. But just because you see somebody do something you don't understand doesn't mean necessarily that it's not a spiritual thing that the Holy Spirit's not working in that. The only only thing we can do is just ask God what he wants us to learn from that. And the Bible says that you and I, that we should desire these spiritual gifts, not fear them. The Bible says that we should desire the spiritual gifts just because we see somebody that maybe does it weird on YouTube or does it weird on whatever we read on Facebook posts or memes or whatever we have. That just process it and run it through the Spirit. Is this a spiritual thing? What does the Holy Spirit want me to get from this? So it, it doesn't mean that we need to fear the spiritual gifts that God gives us. Because in these gifts given by God for the believer is to make a difference in the world. So the spiritual gifts are not for us to be feared, but yet to be embraced. So whatever God's gifted you with is to be embraced. So that's what they're not. So then that only leads us to the next question. So what are the spiritual gifts? And then how do I how do I get these spiritual gifts? Well, you already have some, so now we're just gonna expose what those are, maybe. So there's two, um, two dominant portions in Scripture that talk about spiritual gifts. And there are four different lists. And we're going to look at two of the dominant ones this morning. And I'll tell you what the others are later so that you can go and read on your own and study some and figure this out. But Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 is where we're going to start. This, this gives us the first list of spiritual gifts. And here's what the Bible said. Having gifts that differ, so everybody doesn't have the same ones. Having gifts that differ according to the grace that God has given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. So let's stop right there because people hear the word prophecy and go, (laughs) um, thought that was an Old Testament thing. That's Elijah, right? That's some of the minor prophets, major prophets. Prophecy, the gift of prophecy is a special ability that God gives members of the body to be able to receive and to communicate an immediate message of God to his gathered people. Or it's a group among them or any one of his people individually through a divinely anointed utterance. So in other words, some people would say preaching would be some form of prophecy. Maybe there have been moments that you've been speaking to someone and the Holy Spirit immediately says, boom, you need to say this. And you say it and it's and like, I don't And you've probably started the conversation This might seem weird, but I just feel like the Spirit told me to tell you this. It's probably prophecy about to follow that. And so prophecy is not a weird thing. So it's not like calling fire from heaven and burning things up. That's not what it is. But sometimes maybe God has given you the gift to to, to hear the utterances of the Spirit to you and say, this word needs to be delivered to those people or this word needs to be delivered to that person. And maybe if you've had a lot of those experiences, you probably have the gift of prophecy. Don't don't get too crazy on that. Okay, but you probably have it look at what he says Here's the next one because watch prophecy follows with this. He said if service Then in our serving so some of you have a spiritual gift of serving Well, wait a second. I thought we are all supposed to be serving Well, yeah, we all should be serving but some of you take it to the next level because it is your thing When we talk about serving you're like how when where what we what we doing? I don't even need to know. I just want to do it. It's this gift of service. The idea of doing something for someone else, especially when that person doesn't know you're doing it for them. Maybe you like to make stuff and just leave stuff on doorsteps and walk away ring the doorbell just to bless somebody because you get a thrill in that. You love serving people. When you get to help put a smile on somebody's face and show somebody that you care and that you love them and that just gets you super excited, you may have the gift of serving, of just to be of service to somebody. Um, Sometimes I know that when, like, when I'm sitting and thinking through what we need to do as a church and I, and I have to process through the gift of serving, I, I think about things like when I, we need this, we need somebody to be able to do this, but nobody wants to do that. Like nobody wants to sew. Like we need somebody to sew this, but nobody really wants to sew, right? How many of you like to sew? Like it's your thing. All right. So see, God's given us two people, three people out of the entire church that just love to sew. So... I don't because I always stab myself with a needle, but God has given other people the gift to be able to, this natural gift just to be able to sew, and they can u- utilize that gift. So I think nobody wants to do that, but probably for some of you, you see something like, man, I'd love to do that because it would just give you joy. Like it's just your thing. You love doing that. Maybe it's for you. Some of you love to cook because I was thinking today, I don't think a lot of people just want to cook. I don't think a lot of people want to do a take them take the meal thing. And then all these people want to all of a sudden cook and do it. And so I was like, well, if they want to do it, I want to do it. I like to cook. So I got on to take them a meal team the other day because I, I love to cook things that I can cook that don't involve a microwave. And, I'm, and it was for me. And, I, and so I like to put meat on a smoker and smoke meat, anybody with that spiritual gift. That's, I, I don't know. That might be a spiritual gift. So I love, I love the prep. I love making, I put my secret rub on it, you know, the garlic powder, powder and, the, and the pepper and the salt, that's the secret rub that you put on them. And I love putting it on there at 375. And I love it to just heat up for three hours and pull them out. And I just love delivering to somebody. Like, look at this, your life be blessed right here. Here's ribs. I mean, don't tell me that you've never received a thing of ribs. I'm going to like, Psh, they don't like me like here bless. And I got more fulfillment out of doing that and giving it to someone than I have with anything else. It was just a, the gift of just serving somebody. Helping somebody that needed it in a moment. And many of you have that. And so what, what we look at is we find that there's this gift of serving. And when we, when we begin giving and serving people and, that, and you're like, this is what I live for. Like, I love those moments. And that's probably what your gift is. Let's, let's speed this up a little bit. The next one says the one who teaches. So in it is teaching. So maybe you, some of you have a gift to teach. The Bible goes on to say, if you're a teacher, then teach well. Some of you have the gift of teaching God's Word. It may not even be to large audiences, but maybe you can sit down with somebody. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's just meeting somebody one-on-one for coffee and saying, you know, this is what the Scripture is trying to say. And you can break things down and take what is meat and make it in the milk for people to kind of understand a little bit. Maybe you have that gift. Here's the other one. Encouraging. The one who encourages. Let them encourage. The Bible says if your gift is to encourage other people, be encouraging. God has given some of you that spiritual gift of encouraging. You do it through text message. You know how to do it through writing. You know how to do it through just making somebody just smile because you smile back at them. Uh, and this year, thing. Like, you love encouraging people. Like, you love to sit down and just write these notes to people. It's, it is like, I don't know. You would rather do that than anything in the whole world. Just to encourage people. The Bible says, use it. And this is an important spiritual gift, the gift of generosity. Now, yeah, everybody's supposed to give. So don't take that and go, well, I don't have that gift. I'm not giving anymore. It's not what that means. But the one who contributes, contributing in generosity. Some of you just love to give above and beyond financially. God's blessed you in that area. And you've, I've, I've met people who have said that I asked God to give me successful business so that I can give off of that business to give above and beyond. And, that's, and they said, I feel like that's my gift. That's what God has given me spiritually. Not going to argue with that. That's what you feel and do it. The Bible says that that is a, a gift. Uh, the Bible goes on to say, if God has given you leadership ability, he says the one who leads, let him lead with zeal. Many of you have the gift to lead and you just haven't led anything yet. But you're good at it because you care for people and you want to see people succeed and you want to see people grow in their faith and you want to see people become more like Jesus and you're a natural born leader, lead. Then the Bible says this one. If you have the gift to show kindness, then do it gladly. So he says, the one who acts of mercy and with cheerfulness. So this is a gift of mercy. Mercy or showing kindness to people. This is the gift that God has given you to minister to other people. When they're hurting, you're right there with them. You're you're ministering to them. You're meeting them in a time of hurt, giving them mercy and giving them compassion and giving them love and caring. And you love to do that. And it's not you love to do it because it makes you feel like you're the best person in the world. But you're doing it because it's what... Paul says, it's, it's spiritual fulfillment. It's a fulfillment as in, I found the thing that I'm supposed to do. The word he uses is mercurios. That's the Greek word for it. It means like, there, it's like this filling in your stomach that is, this is what I was made to do. Like if I could do this forever, this is what I do. And that's what Paul's talking about. So how do you know which of these gifts that you have? How do you know which one? And some of you have already gone, I think I may have that one. I might have that because everybody's got one of those. At least some of you may be like super special, and you got like all of them. Like you said, I I embody every one of those things. And there are a lot of ways for us to to look at that, but here's kind of a fun way. And you can you can practice this one at Thanksgiving because it's coming up this week, and you can do this one. So this is an apple pie. Okay, so think of an apple pie. Imagine you're at the table with a bunch of people, your family members, whoever, and there's someone about to eat a piece of apple pie. And their apple pie is on the edge of the table, and it's about to fall off. Some of y'all panicking already because you you probably wanted to cook the apple pie. And you see that that person's vulnerable. And yet, they put their fork in that apple pie and it flips right into their lap. Now, some of you laughing about it because you've pictured the person that you want to see that happen to. If that's you, you do not have the gift of mercy. (laughs) So this thing's flopped down, so now what do you do? What you do next will help you determine possibly what your gift is. So how many of you would say, I almost told you that that was about to happen and you shouldn't have done it and I saw it coming. If that's you, maybe you had a gift of prophecy. (laughs) You saw it coming. How many of you on the other hand would say, oh man, let me help you clean that up. Here's a napkin, let me wipe that up for you. Here, it's taken care of, don't worry about it. Now, if that's you, then maybe you have a gift of serving. Maybe that's your spiritual gift. Some of you may have said, you know, I researched this and there really is a better way to eat apple pie than the way that you were about to do that. Step one, you do this and you point to those people who have the gift of teaching right now because that's your spiritual gift is teaching. And some of you go, oh man, I feel for you. You know, that happened to me one time, but don't worry about it. It's okay. Just watch this. And you throw it on yourself to make them feel better. You have a gift of encouragement. And if you would say, oh, here, just take mine. In fact, Bring apple pies for everybody and put whipped cream on every one of them for everybody. How many of you do that? Then you probably have a gift of giving. And then those of you who would say, well, we can't get this thing cleaned up in no time. So don't worry about it. You go get this and you go get this. And I've got a vision to make all this better. Then you probably have a gift of leadership. And those of you who would say, well, my heart sinks. Like I, it was, just, I was just left breathless when I watched that pie fall in slow motion on the ground. I was hurting for you. I was with you in that moment. And I'm just devastated going through this with you right now. I can barely even do this. I can barely even have this conversation with you right now. Because I have no mercy at all. I'm like, you idiot. I saw that thing coming. I wasn't even worried about it. And you're like that. Then you may, again, not have the spiritual gift of mercy. But these are the gifts that God has given us to be used in the church to minister to other believers, And sometimes these things go outside the church and minister to the world. Because you stand out. Like, what makes you different? Because you're utilizing these gifts. Why do you love serving? I can't understand why you would give up time to come and do this. I can't understand why you would stop your life for one second just to send me a text and let me know you prayed for me or you're thinking about me or you hope that I have a good day. People are trying to figure those things out because it's not natural. Because it's super, spiritual gifts are supernatural. They're outside the natural. And so, Many of you don't even know for sure what your gift is or or maybe you do and your gift's hidden and it's going unused. There's unused spiritual gifts. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians again in 12:7. He says this to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing by one spirit. To another the working of the miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another of various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit Spirit who, um, who has appropriations to each one individually as he wills. There's a trend in this verse. Did you catch the trend? Because when I read this, I caught a trend. Nine times Paul says either this, to one I give this and to another I gave. I give and I gave, and it's, it's this handing out process. Do you see now Paul is saying, God, this, God's saying the Spirit goes, here, you have this, here, you have this, here, you have this, and he's just giving it out. It's like Oprah. You get this, you get this, you get, you get, you get, and he's just giving it out. This, for, this indicates that the individual gifts are confirming the unique contribution of individual believers, going, we're all one body, but we function differently. So here's your gift, and here's your gift, and here's your gift. Go use them well, and use those well, and you come back, and let me see what you've done with them. I'll give you more. We'll do more. And so the Holy Spirit's given all these things out, and He alone decides what gift each person should have because He gifts you with the things that God already knows how He's gifted you. He's given you the things that He knows that you need. So last thing, how do you discover your gifts? Because now we know what the gifts are. We know what they're supposed to be used for, but how do I know what my gifts are? Number one, this is the obvious one. Just study what the Bible says about gifts. There's no better, don't go online and start studying what other people have to say about spiritual gifts. Go to Jesus first. We should always get our theology from Jesus first. Then go see what other people had to say about it. And then measure that up. And if you want to read more about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we've read today, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and then 1 Peter chapter 4 will all give you these things of the the gifts. Read it, make notes about it, try to figure it out, um, and just ask God what he he wants to teach you. Here's number two. Ask God to show you what your gifts are. Because a lot of times we don't know because we haven't asked, right? Just ask him. God, what gifts have you given me? And then watch what he starts to do with you. Because those things will start to happen and you'll go, oh, I kind of like this. Might be kind of good at this. This might be my thing. Sometimes the thing that might be your thing may be the thing that you're pushing away because it makes you uncomfortable. And God wants to push you into the comfort of that and say, you're uncomfortable because I got to develop you in that. Because it doesn't just like, oh, I got the gift of serving. I'm really good at this. It, you might get to be really good at it but it's going to take some process because to be really good at it means to do it exactly like Jesus would ask you to do it to where you always point back to him. Every one of these gifts, when you utilize them, let's be very clear on this. When you utilize every one of these gifts, no matter what you have, at the end of the day, when that gift is operated on and used, it should always point back to Jesus, always. And if it points back to you, then we got to go redo this because we've messed something up in the process. So let's go back and redo it and figure out where did we get wrong because it's pointing, I'm getting all the praise for this and the praise isn't me, it's Jesus because I can't do this if the Holy Spirit didn't work through me. Because if I'm impatient and I didn't have that fruit of the Spirit, I'm not going to be patient. I'm not going to be very nice to you when you cut me off or when you... Um, I don't know, whatever it is that, that is your pet peeve, when people do it, you're like, you lose your mind, like, and you end up on live PD. That's what we're talking about, because that is possible now. Thank you, Berkeley County. Here's the other thing. Ask God about your gifts, but also examine what you enjoy, and what do you do well? What do you already enjoy, and what do you do well? What do you feel like is your thing? Like, you do it, not, not natural gift. What is the one thing out of these things that you're like, hey, I, I enjoy using that gift. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy uh, serving. I enjoy generosity. I enjoy just what do you enjoy? And if you say I never want to teach, I hate being called upon to teach. I don't like doing that. Then you don't have that gift, and it's okay. It's fine. Don't try to don't try to put yourself into a gift that you haven't been made for, and you just probably don't have it. And it's okay. Here's the fourth thing: you can take a spiritual gifts test before you take the spiritual gifts test. Go back to number one and read some scripture, and then go to number two, and ask God what gifts you have, and then go to number four. Don't go to number four, figure out that, oh, I like, because I know how y'all take tests. It's the same way that I do. I try to get, I try to answer it to come out in the way that I want it. Y'all know, y'all just take those little Facebook quizzes, like what cartoon character are you? (laughs) I'm going to make it to what I want to be. I don't want to be a Smurf. I want to be Garfield. That's what I want to (laughs) be. You can go to spiritualgiftstest.com after you complete the steps one, two, three, and four. Or get to four. All right? That's a great starting point. Number five. Most importantly, do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. It may not feel comfortable. It may not feel like you have it. But if, you, if that's where he's led you through all these steps, then you step out. I don't know many times that the Holy Spirit has led us into comfort. Matter of fact, I don't know of any time that the Holy Spirit has led us into comfort. Because where there's comfort, there's a lack of faith. Because we don't really have to trust what God wants for us. So whenever you feel like God's calling you to do something, have faith in that, just do it. Just like whenever I feel like God has given me a a burden to speak on his behalf, I just do it. I don't know know what you want me to say, but I'm gonna go say it. Like I said last week with the woman that was sitting in the booth, I didn't know what he wanted me to say, I just had to say it. Because I was just doing and acting with what the Holy Spirit asked to do. So I wanna close with this verse and I wanna pray as we ask the Spirit to reveal these gifts to you. And hey, I wanna hear about it. I wanna hear what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life I want to hear about what your gifts are just email me let me know talk to me pull me aside I want to I celebrate with you as you discover this because I promise you when you start living out in the way that God's given you life is so much better because remember he didn't say that he came for us to live life halfway he came that we would live life at the fullest and we live life to the fullest when we operate in the spiritual giftings that God has given us because we're doing it like this is what I was made to do this is it. And so when we get ready to respond, I'm going to read this verse and then we're going to pray and ask the Spirit to reveal this gift to us. And we have a prayer team under the tent because maybe you're like, I don't even know how to pray for this. They can, let them just pray on your behalf because you know what? The prayer team has a gift. Their gift is praying for you, intercessing. They have a gift of mercy and they want to utilize that. But First Peter says this, chapter four. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, we pray this morning that you would reveal to us what the giftings are. Some of us know what our gifts are already. And I, we just pray that if if that's us, that you would just continue to reveal how we can continue to use those things and utilize those for your glory. And Father, I just pray that for those that we're just now trying to figure out what the gifts are, I just pray that you just speak very clearly to us on those, that we would seek those out. It's very easy for us to stand up here and just tell people what, they, what we think their spiritual gifts are, but you tell us in Scripture that we should work out our own salvation. So the tension this morning is that we're going to have to depend on you to tell us what our gifts are. We're going to have to go seek and search and have conversations with people. So Lord, I just pray that from this moment forward that we would take that step in the calling that you've put on our lives. And we thank you for what you're going to do in this place. And we want to sing and worship you, our God. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.